0: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald Podcast, where we say, love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's Word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James.
1: Why don't you open your Bible, please, to John 15, uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15. And uh, while you're opening it, I want you to try to imagine, it's easy for me, A a beautiful, blue, uh, crystal clear lake in the northern Ontario, Canada wilderness. You uh, uh, get in a canoe, paddle across one lake, carry your canoe, portage, or as they say in uh, America, portage. Uh, Carry your canoe to the next lake, paddle through that, down a river. On to the next lake, many, many, many miles from the closest road. And there on an island in the middle of that lake, Kathy was 16, I was 18, about 75 high school students and a man that we love to this day now in his 80s, was the first person I ever heard open the powerful truths of John uh, chapter 15. Changed my life. In fact, the outline that he taught from uh, was an outline uh, uh, by Warren Wiersbe, who was many years ago the pastor at Moody Church and so on, a very respected Bible teacher, uh, now also uh, in his uh, late 80s. And Warren Wiersbe, his outline, same outline I'm going to teach today, same thing that man taught us back then. Uh, John 15 is a life-changing. For 2,000 years, uh, the followers of Jesus Christ have gleaned, very, very deep, treasured, impactful uh, truth from uh, John 15. And uh, so let me uh, read uh, the portion uh, to you. Uh, John 15, I'm gonna read the first 11 verses. This is gonna be one of those two-parters. So I'm just telling you right now, we're only gonna get through the first uh, three points in your notes, and I'm just not gonna hurry past this. I'm just not gonna rush this. I don't know when we're coming this way again, and this this is pretty awesome stuff. So John 15, one, ready? By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Why is he saying all this? Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, that's the verse that anchors the meaning of the entire passage. Look at it again, John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus said. Why are you saying all this? Here's why. That my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Okay? The purpose of everything he is saying here is so that... How many people would agree that Jesus Christ epitomizes joy... So he's like, I want you to have that. I want you to have what I have. So I'm saying all of this. The title of the message is The Secret to Lasting Joy, The Secret to a Joyful Life. And this isn't secret like, shh, I'm going to tell you this, and I don't want you to tell anybody else. Guard this with your life. It's not that kind of secret. It's the kind of secret as in, wow, how come everybody doesn't know this? This is like the load less traveled. This is like the Christian life that only a few people understand and experience. If you've been struggling to make the Christian life work, it's because you probably don't know the secrets. We're about to learn them the secret to a life of joy, the secret to lasting joy. Uh, Let's take a moment. And let's all pray now, okay? So everyone just bow your head. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word. And as we were just singing, uh, so uh, we now repeat to you directly. Lord, say what you want to say. Who but you, Lord, can meet their needs? Who but you can feed their hungry hearts? So say what you want to say to us now through your word. And uh, help us to apply it and live it. And we ask that you would get glory through it. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray, don't we? Amen. All right. All right. So, um, John of 15, I'm going to actually start at 15.1 after after I focus for a minute on this uh, kind of anchor point, verse 11. Uh, The secret to living is joy. And uh, Jesus is saying everything that he's saying in this passage. This passage has been a comfort, a strength, a source of understanding to God's people for uh, 2,000 years now. Just think about all the saints. Just let your mind drift and think of the people who have gone to John 15 and have found so much in it. And here it is, alive and fresh uh, by his spirit for us. And this I am the vine a passage, uh, as I said, anchors on these commandments, uh, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, verse 11, and that your joy uh, may be full. So, uh, jot that down first. The secret uh, to living uh, is joy. And and just imagine uh, Jesus, uh, remember remember how chapter 14 ended? He said, um, rise, let us go from here. From where, tell me where? From the upper room, they were having the last supper. And so, um, I'm gonna try to even match in my tone Jesus isn't preaching to them. There's 11 of them left, Judas is gone. The betrayal, the washing of the feet, the first, Last Supper, uh, is all in the rearview mirror. Out in front of him is uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. He's gonna go down through the Kidron Valley and, and walk outside the gates of the streets of Jerusalem and he's gonna get to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's gonna begin to pray and right there he's gonna be arrested and, and then he goes to Caiaphas' house and all the trial and everything, and, and then, of course, to the cross. So this is the final moments, and he's walking with them. He wouldn't be preaching to the disciples. He was walking with them and talking to them, and he's opening his heart, and he's sharing some secrets, and he wants them to experience joy. Interestingly, there won't be another geographical reference until John 18. All this teaching is just floating here between the upper room and the arrest. We're not going to where exactly they are. We don't know exactly where they are. They're just kind of walking. I don't think he's in a hurry to get to that prayer where he's going to sweat great, great drops of blood. Maybe he took the long route. He's going to give himself enough time to pour his heart out to his closest friends and followers. So, if you can kind of imagine that, now here's our definition of joy. We taught this 10 years ago when we went through the book of Philippians on a series called "I Choose Joy," and 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 this is what we believe joy is. Um, because you got to know this, okay? Joy, joy's not cheerfulness. I, I mean, thank God for cheerful people, and and we need more cheerful people. Are you a cheerful person, kind of positive in your outlook? We need people like that, and they're a blessing. And but but joy's not a disposition. And, and, and uh, joy's not happiness, okay? Uh, joy's, joy's not, you know, happiness is circumstantial. Happiness, if you've been on the happiness uh, train, happiness comes and goes with the circumstances. And, and you know, I'm so happy today and my friends are coming over after church and we're gonna cook some brats and we're gonna watch the Bears game and I'm so happy, <laughs> you know? And, 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 then, and, then, and then circumstances change and, and torpedo your happiness. All in favor of getting off the happiness roller coaster? Okay, down with happiness and up for good. Joy is, that's why in the definition, it's a supernatural delight. Everyone say it's from God. You can't get this yourself. You're not like, I'm going down to my basement and I'm not coming up till I'm joyful. You're gonna be down there for a long time okay because it's from god it's a supernatural delight it's, joy are is feelings of elation f- founded in god himself and that's why we say it's a supernatural delight in the person of god first of all it's in god himself in his excellencies and his beauty and his character and his majesty Listen, leaning in and learning about and loving the God who made you, that's joy. It's a supernatural delight in the person of God. And then this is really important it's a supernatural delight in the purposes of God. And what's God doing right now? He's doing something. God's on the move big time. Big time. God's on the move in my life, in my family, God's on the move in this church, big time. And 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 to believe that in your life, that God has purposes. That this isn't some random unfolding. Nothing is out of control. Life is not a tornado. There's a God who's in control, and that brings a lot of joy, because when the happiness boat is flipped upside down, and 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 things are really sideways, all right, uh, joy continues. And, and joy is independent of circumstance. It's a supernatural delight in the person of God and in the purposes of God. Uh, this will really help. Um, as it relates to God's purposes, maybe this is the reason why you came to church today. As it relates to God's purposes, just jot these things down. God is in control. God has a plan. Believe it and wait for it. I'm telling you, some of you, I don't want you to leave, I don't want anyone to get up and leave, but for some of you, that's why you came to church, right there. You just need to get right back on that. That's where I'm living. God is in control. God has a purpose. Now now, now listen, believe it, believe it. And let your demeanor be such that you, how can she be acting like that? She believes something. She believes that there's a God who has a purpose, who is in control. Now, well, her, her life doesn't look like that right now, but she's waiting for it, and it's coming. And, and I always tell people, and I'm, I said to a man last night, got served with divorce papers this week. I said to him, You don't deserve that. And he said, Well, Jesus didn't deserve a lot of things. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, but there's a purpose in it. And, and, and listen, listen, and, and wait for it. Believe it and wait for it. I said to him, I love saying this to people, and I'm coming to the party. I love those parties. When it all comes around and people are like, now I see what God was doing. Now I see what God was doing. All right, everybody's got an opinion in, in the valley part. But I'm telling you, you wait for it. You're going to see it. And, and listen, listen. And there's joy in that. All right, not happiness, there's joy, a supernatural delight in the person of God, in the purposes of God. Listen, and this is real important, in the people of God. Now, if you lose your joy, I said this to Kathy recently, if you lose your joy in the people of God, you've lost something very precious. And, and, um, and I think uh, when, when Christians disappoint us, when Christians hurt us, when Christians uh, act in a way that is less than, than what uh, the Lord would have us, we can kind of have uh, two main reactions, uh, two main responses. One is to react. Now, how many of you all here, uh, hands up, how many of you are reactors? And liars, liars and reactors. <laughs> Let's put them in the same category. How many of you are like, when something happens, they're going to have to deal with me. I'm a reactor. Hands up. All right, I'm a reactor. And, and I, but I've, I've, I've seen that work out badly enough that I would say over the last few years, I've seen myself to be more, a lesser reactor, more a retreater. And when I feel hurt or disappointed, I tend to, how many people retreaters? Hands up. I get out of there as fast as I can. Retreaters. And and I just like to say reaction is bad now and retreating is bad later because you see that what happens is you haven't fixed anything and you you you've actually I can think of seasons where Kathy and I just pulled back, we haven't been with people. And let me just say that the joy, um, the joy of God's people is like one of the best things in the church. Come on, come on, let's hug. The, 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 the joy of God's people is one of the best things and if you let, if you let your hurt and your disappointment with people cause you to pull back, um, you're going to lose a lot and one of the things that you're going to lose is you're going to lose joy because a lot of the joy of the Christian life is the family of God and the people of God and, and there's no perfect family but, but, but God's family is a really good family when Jesus says these things have I written to you that my joy, a supernatural delight in the person of God, the purpose of God, and the people of God. Just, just a uh, supernatural capacity to be elated about those things. That's what's at stake here. Now, um, so all in favor of joy? Okay, so, so now the secrets. You say, well, I really actually, I'm fired up about that. I'd like some of that. Well, you should want it, because it's just, now hear this, joy is as good as it gets, okay? There's nothing on the You say, well, well, I, I, I like joy, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take a cooking class. Well, okay, fine, fine, it's not gonna help your joy. This is as good as it gets, all right? Joy is the best thing. There isn't anything, look at, look at, this world is not our hope. This world is not our home, all right? This is not heaven, this is not heaven, okay? This world, this world, it's broken. Do you understand? It doesn't work right. Stop trying to squeeze. What can only come from God and will ultimately come in heaven, stop trying to squeeze that from life on earth. It's not coming, okay? The best there is, is joy. There's nothing after that. So then the secret to living is joy. The secret to living is joy. Lower your expectations of happiness. Raise your pursuit of joy. And, all right, from John 15, 1 then, the secret to joy is fruit bearing. The secret to joy is fruit bearing. Nothing infuses your life with joy like this thing called bearing fruit. And that's why Jesus, walking from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane goes right to it with his disciples. I am the vine. Now, I have to, I have to, uh, I have to freeze for a moment. That's the seventh, I, it's like, ding! The seventh, I, there's seven of them. The complete, seven is a completion uh, in the Bible, seven days. Seven is completion, and we have seven I am statements. Now it's hard for a Western world 2013 follower of Jesus to. Let me. A little backdrop is going to help here. I am uh, is the name for God, now, Yahweh. When God appeared to Moses and said, "You're going to lead my people from out of slavery and to the promised land." Do you remember, you remember what Moses said? I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And God's like, I'll be, I'll be with you. And then he's like, I I don't I don't I don't I don't I I I I don't I don't talk good good. He says, I'll be with your mouth. Exodus 3. And then and then Moses says, well, 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 well who should I say sent me? And God said, Say I am sent you. If anyone asks, tell them, I am that I am. See, that's God's name. It means the self-existent one and the three Hebrew consonants you see there with the, we guess at the vowels, it was so sacred they didn't even want to speak it. It's the name of God. And so if you have that Hebrew Old Testament background, when Jesus Christ shows up and starts in with, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. Let's put all those uh, I am statements up. Just run them all up there. And, and we've been through each one of these. Let me give you uh, the references on those, but you should be able to find them yourself. I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the door, John 10, 7, and 9. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11, and 14. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11:25. 25. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. And now, here it is, John 15, 1, again in verse 5. See it there? I am. Seven unapologetic declarations of deity. And this last one, I am the vine. No doubt, no doubt, as they were walking along through the gardens there, um, there was a vineyard, and like and like the master teacher that he is, I hope you do this with your children, you, you make an analogy of what's visual and what's familiar right in front of you. And, and she's like, check out, check out those, those vines right there. See the vines? See the branches? That's like us. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He says that, actually, if you look just down to verse 5. Verse um, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. And uh, what what a a phenomenal challenge. Now, go to verse two. I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser, which the word vine dresser there means literally the farmer, the tiller of the soil. God the father is seen as the one uh, behind it all. Christ the one through whom the life comes to the branch. Every, verse two, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, um, has anyone ever, I, we have so many wonderful people that come to this church and, and uh, from so many different backgrounds and some of you grew up in church and some of you can't believe you're in church. Has anyone ever explained this thing to you? Like, you've got to get this. You're not saved because you say you are. You're saved because God says you are. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7 that many people on the last day, when when we go to appear before the Lord, you're going, I'm going, we'll be there together, you can go first. It's. It's going to be quite a thing to stand by yourself before Jesus Christ and look into the face, look into the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And Jesus Christ says in Matthew 7 that on that day, not a couple, not a few, Matthew 7, 21, many people will say, Lord, Lord, we, we, we. Cast out demons in your name, Lord. Lord, we prophesied in your name. Lord, we did many wonderful works in your name. Matthew 7, 23, Jesus says, then I'm gonna say to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. I should keep you awake one night a month at least. And that's about as serious as serious gets. I thought, I thought I was going to be in heaven and I found out at the last possible second when it was too late to do anything about it that I was only fooling myself. You're like, well, there's got to be a test. There's got to be some way of knowing. Uh, there is. Right in that same passage, Jesus says, by their fruits, you will know them. By their fruit, you'll know them. So I can't, and that's why I'm just you know, just kind of taking my time uh, today because um, I don't know when we're gonna come back down this road again here in John 15. And I so want you to understand that at the end of the day, you're not a Christian because you go to a church, because you carry your Bible, because your grandma is, because you understand how to be saved. The proof's in the fruit, the proof's in the fruit. And there's things that happen on the limbs of genuine Christians There's things that happen on the branches of people that are really connected to the life of the vine. You can't fake it. Either you have the fruit or you don't. So jot these down, uh, six uh, biblical fruits. It's not for me to say what the fruit is. If you're looking for my list, I don't have a list and we shouldn't care what my list is. What matters is what does the Bible say, amen? And the New Testament says that there are six fruits that appear on the branch of people who are really connected to the vine. Here they are. And number one is uh, Romans chapter one, verse 13. Let me just, it's, it's, it's basically winning uh, souls to Christ. But let me, uh, let me read it to you. Here it is. Romans 1.13, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers. Paul says that I often planned to come to you, but I was hindered that I might have some fruit among you. Just as among other Gentiles, Paul was going to all the churches across Asia Minor. He was declaring the gospel and people were being one to Jesus Christ through his life, directly through his life. Paul says to the Romans, man, I always wanted to get to you guys. He writes it in a letter. I was wanted to get to you guys, and I'm going to get there so that I can have some, say it, some fruit among you as I've had in the other churches. So um, the secret of joy is fruit bearing. What's more joyful than seeing someone come to know Jesus through your life? I'm telling you, that will wind your clock very tight. That, that is so fantastic, you, you just never get over it. And yet, what do they say? 80 or 90% of the people, 90 some percent of people who profess to follow Jesus have never led one single person to faith in Jesus. How many people do you work with? You don't tell them about Jesus and how he can forgive them? You don't tell them about what Christ has done for you? That's, how's that going for you, that fruit? Jesus says, by their fruits, you'll know them. How many people are following Jesus today because of you? Because of how God used you? Here's the second thing. Um, the fruit of personal holiness. Romans 6:22. Paul says, "But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have fruit to holiness." Holiness is, is a personal purity. It's, it's godliness. It's, it's a disdain for a things that do not honor God and, and a, a growing pattern. Now, all of us are sinful, fallen people. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am. All right? But there is to be a growing pattern of holiness in you. One of the great things about being in one church as long as I have is you see God growing people, including the person you see in the mirror. And you see God changing us and shaping us and, and, and increasing in us our holiness. But if, if you're like, round and round I go, still struggling with the same things I was five years ago, <coughs> I'm deeper into sin, I'm more angry, I'm, I'm more selfish, it, it's getting worse, not better. That's a very, very, very bad sign. Because the followers of Jesus, we all, with an unveiled face, Paul says, in 1 Corinthians three eighteen, are beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord and are daily being changed into that image. Now, either that's happening or not. And you might be able to fake the pastor or fake your small group leader, but you're not going to fake God in the end. And so bearing fruit is an awesome, awesome thing. But um, faking it... That's not going anywhere good, and that's why you might be missing some joy. So, six biblical fruits. Uh, Romans 15, 28, uh, 27, 28 says, their duty is to minister to them in material things. Paul said, therefore when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. It's just another usage of the word fruit in the New Testament, and this one is about financial giving. Like, oh, figures you put that on the list. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm giving you the Bible list, and the fact that that upsets you is bad for you. Okay? People who really know Jesus are finding out increasingly how worthless anything this world has to offer is and how much more we want to honor God and give to God and be generous with what God's given us back to him. And there should be a growing pattern of generosity in your life. If you're still hanging on to everything, that's, not, that's, that's bad fruit. Okay, but in the people that are really plugged into the vine, they have this winning souls to Jesus, personal holiness, growing generosity. And then this four is really an anchor point, uh, godly character. The fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. How's that going? Are you more loving than you were? More able to suppress your own wants? More ready to place others ahead of yourself? Here's one of the things about growing, I just wanna say this. Um, as I've observed in my life and the lives of others, it's not that you don't still struggle with X. It's just that the intervals between your failure are longer and longer. Your readiness to respond and acknowledge how wrong you are is faster and faster. You can have one day a month, one day a quarter. Some things are just gone for good. They just go and they never come back. But certain challenging areas for you, and maybe once a year... Or, or once a quarter, you'll have a day and you'll be like, have I ever changed? But the fact that you're as upset about that as you are and the fact that you're so quick to acknowledge and own your failure in that, that really is a lot different than how you used to be if you think back. And that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit working in you, an evidence of you being connected to the vine. So the fruit of the Spirit is there, how many of them are there? Do you know? Nine. Who said nine? Nine, nicely done, there's Nine. That puts a little pressure on me, though, because i got to quote it now, so let me see if I can come up with all nine. If I hadn't have said that, I could have just skated with eight or something. Okay, um, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Some people are mouthing it to me. and self-control if these things are continually and increasingly part of your life you're like bam that's joy that's fruit but if not you need to go back and see if you're really connected to the vine so um, working on my list here six biblical fruits winning souls to Jesus personal holiness giving financially godly character good works Colossians 1.10, we did not cease to pray for you that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. So um, if every member of this church worked for God the way that you work for God, how would this church work? And some of you work for God outside the church and you just come here to be fed and, and, and to worship. I understand that. But if you're not working for God anywhere, if you're not shouldering any weekly kingdom responsibility, if there's some things that won't happen for God this week, what, what would, if God forbid something happened to you this week, what won't happen for God next week because you're not there to do it? If the answer is, I'm nothing. I mean, I was nice to my... Dog, I was. You know, I'm talking about actually working for God, a responsibility, a job. I park cars. I, I teach a small group. I minister to children. I preach at the jail. I, I you know, a, a plate where you're working, where you're serving, where you're rolling up your sleeves and getting after it. You say, why would I do that? I got a lot going on. You're selfish. And a decreasing selfishness and an increasing desire to work for God, it's a, what is it, say it, it's, it's fruit. Because before we found Jesus, we were so selfish. And now he's taken all that out of our life. Kathy and I often say to one another, I don't know what problems we have we didn't have the problems associated with working for God. But those have been the very sanctifying things that God has used to produce fruit and increasing fruit. In our lives so that's a fruit and then here's the sixth one um, uh, sincere or I would even say a sacrificial worship Hebrews thirteen fifteen says uh, let us uh, continually offer unto God the sacrifice of praise uh, the fruit of lips see fruit there the fruit of lips giving thanks to his name um, It's a sacrifice. Now, normally, uh, on most sunny days, it's it's great to come to church or to drive in my car or to sit at my desk and worship God. But when when times are tough, when it's not easy, then then it's a sacrifice. And sacrificial praise, praising God when, when it's raining in my life, praising God when it's hard in my life, praising God when it's dark, when it's difficult. If you can keep on praise, you know, blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all that it should be, blessed be your name, blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. When there's pain in the offering, see, that's fruit. People don't do that. People give up when it's hard. But if you keep on doing what God's called you to do, even when it's hard, what is it? Say, what is it? It's fruit. And when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, okay? Um, This is what he's talking about. if, If you're lacking joy, you're lacking joy because you're lacking fruit. The joy, the secret to joy is these things have I said unto you that my joy may be in you and your joy may remain full. The secret to joy, I mean, he's saying it over and over here. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he (laughs) prunes. Come on, I'm going to do a little pruning here. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. So, So he comes out and he looks at the vine. And he's like, what on earth? (laughs) He says, forget that. Forget the fruitless stick. Forget the, it's, it's not really connected to the life of the vine. No fruit, no root. If you're rooted in Jesus, you do bear fruit. You say, well, I don't know if I have enough fruit. He's pruning and he comes along and he looks at the branches and he says, oh, there's a little on that one. We'll give it a chance, but that's out for sure. That's got to go. And you get rid of anything that would steal life from it. You get rid of that. And, and he just, he, it's, it's a great analogy. And he's saying, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Now, I like to make pictures as clear as I can make them, so let me just put this uh, up in front of you, and let's just get it as clear as we can get it. Um, Who's the vine? Who's the branches? Who's the vine? Who's the branches? Okay, last time. Come on. I know, you say, this is like kindergarten. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes, the simplest truths are the most powerful ones. Don't ever forget this. Who's the vine? Jesus. Who's the branches? All right, we're the branches. He says it, he says it, he says it. Check this. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. All right, now jot this next thing down then. Well, I want to bear fruit. I I, want to bear more fruit. That should be in your heart. The secret to fruit-bearing, the secret to fruit-bearing is you should be able to see it in the text. Do you know what the answer is? It's abiding, it's pretty hard to miss that here. He uses the word 10 times. Verse four, abide in me. Um, uh, Unless it abides in me, verse five. Whoever abides in me, verse six. If anyone does not abide, verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, This is getting real clear here. Abide, 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 abide. I mean, I can even figure that out. Abide means to, it's a a language of proximity. It's a language of proximity. It means, uh, some translations say to remain. It means to stay close. What Jesus is saying is, is you can't bear fruit unless you stay close to me. Cut that branch off and go stick it somewhere else. How many grapes are we gonna have this year? Hold up, how many? All right, you can't bear fruit. The life of a Christian comes from Jesus Christ. He is the Christian life. And, And being rooted into Jesus Christ, his life flows into me. He is the joy. He is the peace, all right? He is the fruit. The life flows up the vine, out into the branch. I mean, it's it's really hard to miss this. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, verse four, unless it abides in the vine. Oh, I skipped verse three and I don't want to. Already you are clean. That's a reference back to the washing of feet in chapter 13, where he says, and you are clean, but not every one of you in verse 10. By clean, he means saved. Already you are saved, notice, because of the, what's it say, because of the? Because of the word. That's just a fantastic little side comment. Just go ahead and get hold of your Bible, and I try to do this every so often, just to remind us how important God's word is. In fact, let's just put this up on the screen, and why don't you get your Bible and hold it up, and we're gonna just uh, say this together. You're already clean, he says, you're clean because of the word. It's the word of God. It's, it's happening right now, Amen. It's renewing my mind, it's washing me clean. And how much time did you spend in the Word of God this week? Because this is, hold up your Bible, come on, say it together, this is my Bible, say it. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am going where it says I will go. God's Word is milk for my soul. God's Word is seed for my faith. God's Word is light for my path. God's Word is power for my victory. God's Word is freedom for my life. When I read God's Word, it brings me joy. When I study God's Word, it keeps me from shame. When I memorize God's Word, it purifies my heart. When I God's Word, When I on God's Word, When I abide in God's Word, it gives me confidence. I... to you are already, you're already clean. He says, you're you're already, This is a clap time? All right. He says, you're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And then repeating himself, I am the vine, you are the branches. I wonder how he said that. Did he say it like a teacher? I'm the vine. Do you get it? Do you get it? I'm the vine. And, and you're the branches. Do you understand? Was it like that? Or was it like more like trying to encourage a discouraged person? Like, like come on, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches. <laughs> we, got it. we got to be together. And was it like that? Or was it more like... Um, like, you, you, you're stubborn, you know, you're not. I, I'm the vine, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Stop trying to be the vine, I'm the vine. Was it like, that? I, I don't know, I like them all. <laughs> Let it speak to you the way you need it. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you, could, you can do nothing. I can do a lot of things without Jesus. I can tie my shoes without Jesus. I I can clean my car without Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing that matters. Apart from me, you can do nothing that lasts. Apart from me, you can do nothing that brings joy. Not apart from me. Take a minute and just think about all of the things you're currently doing that Jesus Christ says are gonna come to nothing because you're doing them apart from him. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. The fire, of course, is hell. Fruit bearers are saved, they go to heaven. Non-fruit bearers are unsaved. They're dead branches, they go into the fire. and burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you of course abiding in Jesus I've often taught changes the way you pray and uh the deeper you get into Jesus I, I never pray anymore for trials to end I, I pray for God's purpose to be accomplished in them I pray for God's will to be accomplished in me through them and and uh Uh, Intimacy with Jesus changes the way that you pray so that what you ask for gets answered because it's in accordance with his will for you. Pray the will of the vine and the branch will never be disappointed. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. But we're gonna take uh, some questions. Um, Are they gonna go up on the screen? Here it is. All right. When it says every branch of mine in verse 2, that seems to be a saved person. Is this teaching that you can lose your salvation? Okay, well, so the best rule in understanding the scripture is no text can mean anything that would contradict another text. So we already went through John 10. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No, no, no one can take them out of my hand. My Father is greater than all, gave them to me. No one can take them out of my Father's hand. So you can't lose your salvation. Here's what I would say about that. When Jesus calls even the branches that are thrown away, he calls them every branch of mine. Where in this universe could your eyes fall and the Lord Jesus Christ could not say, that is mine. Tell me, where? Everything is his. Of him and from him and through him and to him are all things. And so it isn't just the branches that are bearing fruit that are his. It's also the branches that are cast into the fire that are his. Good question. Let's have another one. When surrounded by negative people, what is the secret to being joyful without feeling like it's fake? How does the inside matter? Well, um, that's a really, really sweet, kind, um, honest question. Um, first of all a joy is something that's like a well inside you it, it isn't anything you have to try like i said it's not cheerfulness it's not happiness and the further you get into it you wouldn't trade a thimbleful of joy for an ocean of happiness or cheerfulness all right and, and 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 it isn't it isn't like a mood it's a deep settled delight in god and his purposes and his people and um so it, it doesn't involve any contrived behavior or cheerfulness. And, and that's quite different than that. It's really settled and, and peaceful and at rest in the Lord. Good question. You got another one? A diseased tree bears bad fruit, correct? What are some examples of bad fruit? Well, I think that... Um, a disease tree is just another analogy, and I would say that examples of bad fruit would be uh, bad attitudes. Sometimes, as I've said this year many times, uh, you can be right, but you can be wrong in the way that you're right, and if you're wrong in the way that you're right, you're wrong even if you're right. Has anyone heard me say that? All right, so that would be an example of bad fruit where, where it appeared like it was a good act, but it was violated in the way that it was done. Sometimes we can do the right thing but we do it for wrong heart uh, reasons and and wrong motivations um, i think that it's pretty easy to taint a fruit you know you can want your your daughter to be saved so you can be at peace i see parents that are grieving for their children but they don't grieve the darkness and the misery of their life without god they just grieve how it affects them and so you're wanting something right, but you haven't let God shape the way you think about it yet and really grieve what's lost for them. Um, hopefully that's helpful. That's a, another very thoughtful question. Um, if apart from Jesus I can do nothing, why do I bother to try it all? Okay, make sure that question doesn't get asked tomorrow. Um... Well, you know, it's a funny thing. When I, was in, when I was in college, I remember being taught, I don't know who said this. You could probably look it up on the internet. I don't remember who said this, but um, somebody said um, um, that we should work as though it all depends upon us. And how many people heard that? Work as though it all depends on us and pray as though it all depends upon God. I wish I had um, had someone contradict that for me. I, I haven't found that to be super helpful. I've been pretty successful as working as though it all depends upon me. And um, I would call that a dead end. And I would say that uh, as the Lord has made me into a person who um, works as though it all depends on God, and prays as though it all depends on God, that's just a way better way. Now if you're not praying at all, then you don't really believe it all depends on God. But if you work with the mindset, it's you Lord, you can only do this, I can't do this. I think I would have striven less and rested more I think that I would have not pushed as hard, and I would have trusted more, and uh, so I entertain the the hope that you can learn from what God's teaching me, and I would just say that um, that's where my focus is, working as though it all depends on God, and praying as though it all depends upon God.
0: So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast where the learning is for loving, loving God and for loving others more and more until we see him face to face. Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership, and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching, and and resources are there, and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.